We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is April 21st, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is up? Not much. Not much. Just uh, still hammering out. Those uh, moving details, everything like that, all that fun stuff. Would right. you know? Do we do we do we do we charge this purchase? You know, we don't like to use our credit card, but do we charge this U-Haul that's freaking two thousand dollars for us to to rent? Uh, all that kind crazy. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So figuring all that stuff out. Also trying to enjoy the playoffs with the downtime that I get, and also kind of balance family. So everything's crazy right now. We'll talk playoffs a little later in the episode, but uh, that two thousand dollars that include the price of gas? No. Oh my god! No, dude. The, the crazy part is, like, it's two thousand dollars. When we moved, I found the receipt from three years ago because I was curious. We're gonna get the probably the same size, like U-Haul, um, and it was like uh, I want to say we paid. I think the receipt was like twelve hundred dollars or something. So it's like eight hundred dollars more. Um, plus, at that point, my job that I moved out here for reimbursed me for a good chunk of the u-haul which made it better but still you're not gonna um, get that working from home no no lauren's like not lauren's like maybe we could uh swindle the the company that you're working for in may and i was like i don't think they're gonna do that they're a work from home they dodge all the moving expenses yeah absolutely all right uh one thing that we wanted to point out um if you guys didn't know we brought a couple of writers onto the team over the course of the last you know five or six months or so our very own ryan brock just did a great job with the 2021 2022 orlando magic end of season awards you guys go check that article out at the six man show.com ryan did a great job with that i did at the videos i'm not gonna you know i don't want to take too much of the credit mm. i don't want to brag too much but you know it came out really nice and, and ryan's really happy about it i think he did a great job so um, make sure that you guys check that out and you can always find our newest articles at the six man show.com 
coming up on May 17th. Yes, we're talking about it again. The NBA Draft Lottery Party, downtown Orlando at Harry Buffalo. The time is to be determined. We're guessing we're probably going to start things off somewhere between 7 and 8 o'clock. Obviously, there's going to be cold beer, good food. We're working on some trivia stuff. We're working on some, some giveaways, some raffles. So if you guys like free stuff and you like hanging out with Orlando Magic fans, come out to Harry Buffalo May 17th. It's a Tuesday. Again, time to be determined, probably somewhere between 7 to 8 o'clock. Be there or I hate you and don't ever talk mm. to us again. Oh. Yep, I went there. Not really. We love you guys, but still, come out. It's going to be a really great time. We've already got like over 110 RSVPs, so it is going to be a, a great time. If you guys didn't know, we do have a voicemail box now where you can call and leave your take, ask questions, tell us how great we are, how ugly we are, whatever the case may be, and you can call 407-603-1189 for a chance to be heard on the show. Also, I'm sure that you guys have heard this by now, uh, but we do have a Patreon that you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We have three three tiers of benefits where you can help support the show financially. It really does go a long way. And every single week, we shout out all of our patrons, which is what we're going to do right now. Shout out Court Cousins, who actually just started their patron. Go ahead and check that out. Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L., Magic Player History, Julio Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines, Bo Outlaw Fan, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Franz Goaded for show. show. Thank all of you guys so much. We really, really appreciate the port. The port. The port. The port. Wow. I'm talking about the port, Port Ritchie, Florida, where I grew up. You know, the port. Mm. Uh, that's a that's a shout out to everyone from my hometown. No one listens to this, but that's okay. <laughs> all right, Luke. So uh, we got some pretty significant magic news. Uh, was that yesterday or the day before yesterday? Terrence Ross was on the Out of Pocket podcast um, produced by Buckets. And basically, Luke, he was asked if, you know, they, they said, oh, this upcoming is your last year in Orlando. Do you see yourself kind of finishing out your career? And this was Terrence's response. I transcribed the entire thing. Unfortunately, Terrence said, nah, I don't think so. They're in a rebuild. I'm kind of past that stage. If I was younger, if I was even on one contract before this, it would be a different story. I'd probably want to ride this one out and try to build something, but I've kind of already done that. I've been through a few rebuilds already. I'm 10 years in, so time's kind of going against me at this point. I don't really want to stay in another rebuild. It's been great here. I've had my fun. I've had my chance to be a part of something where it was me and a couple of other guys try and take it as far as we could. We had some good runs. We had fun, but now I think I'm ready to transition to something else. And then he was asked if he was going to you know, go searching for that ring. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing at this point. But he says, yeah, you know, uh, at least I want to, you know, contend and, and you know, really help a team. And um, unfortunately, in his role this year with the Magic, um, that really wasn't what he was asked. So I get it. And we've speculated about Terrence, you know, being moved or moving on from the team this offseason. But uh, there's an element of sadness for me. What about you, Luke? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, right? I mean, we, we discussed it on the player grades um, for the guards. So, and, and in that, just basically said, like, we understand. If you, if, if, if Terrence doesn't want to be here, then then that's fine. Like, let's mutually, essentially, part ways. You know, if he's not giving us, he's not really the fit. And I talked about that a lot last episode where I just think he doesn't fit. Like, he played the most when we were trying to win games. Now we're trying to develop guys and, and, and all that stuff and get back to winning games. But in the meantime, I just think Terrence probably isn't a great fit for us, it seems, after kind of the last couple seasons, this season especially. 
um, under Mosley and and moving forward. I, I think that you know we obviously wish him the best, and it, it stinks. He gave us a lot of fun memories um, from that initial playoff run, especially. So stinks to see him go, but we knew it was probably coming here. And isn't it kind of funny? Like we've been talking like literally all year that like Terrence was probably going to be moved at some point, and like now even talking into the off season. But kind of hearing that someone doesn't want to be yeah. here anymore is just like, oh, like I get it. It's still kind of sad. It is probably best for both parties at some point. But yeah, like Terrence has been a fan favorite for years. He's a fun player to watch when he's in the right role and is able to you know, produce. People were, I guess, took offense to us saying on the last episode that he was checked out. I mean, Did they? How, how can hearing this make you think that he wasn't this isn't right. something that he just decided in the last you know week and a half since the season's been over i'm sure he's been feeling like this for a long time and you can you can chalk up to his lack of production to a bunch of things the scheme not yeah. playing with the best lineups um you know guys just have down shooting years whatever the case may be but i do think this shows that there was at least an element of him kind of realizing that he was going to be moving on from the magic yeah, I mean, the the writing was on the wall, man. I, I don't think this should come as a surprise to anybody. Um, and that's, I mean, it, 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 like I said, it sucks. We wish him the best, but it is what it is, and we've seen it coming. So where do you want to see Terrence end up? Like, let's just let's think about, like, the current playoff teams. What do you think would be, like, a good fit for him? Where would you want to see Terrence end up? I, I mean, if we're talking about him winning a ring, uh, get him to Brooklyn. I think that uh, they could easily win a ring. I'm not a dunk that I want to Brooklyn to win, but if it, if we're talking like great case for for Brooklyn to uh, to or to for Terrence to secure a ring, um, I, I think a, a Brooklyn or who knows? I mean, maybe you know like a, a Utah if they don't you know end up just blowing everything up, right? I mean, it's hard. I, I think that Terrence could be a good guy to lift off the bench, man. I think that like used correctly. All he's got to do is come off pin down screens and, and shoot three ball. I mean, I, I think that, that Terrence could, could definitely thrive in those type of environments. I think any of those top teams, I'd love for him to be there. Is there a team that sticks out to you that might need Terrence, that they might not be in the contention, or what are you thinking? Um, For some reason, I would love to see him coming off the bench for like the Celtics. Like mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you know, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, a lot of smart players on that team. It's a, a team that feels like they could use an, another punch off the bench. I don't know if Terrence is ever going to be like the sixth man of the year candidate that he was in 2018, 2019. Right. I think that was kind of like probably his career year, the best that we'll ever see of him. So I don't know if he's really best suited to be like your sixth man, but like your seventh guy off, like your seventh guy, your second guy off the bench, I think he can still bring a lot of value. Like you said, just you know, knock down shots, and he'll get that on a on a contender on a better team. I, and he'll I mean, get open shots. Yeah, and I, and the last point I would I mean, want to make is that you know right now Boston's playing Brooklyn, right? And I'm watching the box score. I'm seeing who they've got coming off the bench. Guys off the bench, first off the bench: Grant Williams, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard. Good players. Peyton Pritchard could be better, right? Like he he could he definitely still has not filled out his his potential. Uh, Derek White's a good guard, but I still think that that Terrence could come off the bench for for Boston, like you said, even as a six man. To be honest with you, I, I think that like based on what I'm seeing, who they're bringing off the bench usually, why not? I know they like Derek White a lot, but you could probably put him in like that Peyton Pritchard, you know, kind of role. Maybe it doesn't give you the same things defensively, but yeah, I, if he just goes to a contender, you know, coming off of the bench, I think he can still bring a lot of value to a team. Now people are kind of arguing whether or not this hurt 
his value. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's any secret. And if he is really going to be like a hot commodity among contenders, there's still going to be a little bit of leverage there between teams like, oh, Boston, if you don't want to give us what we want, then we'll move him to Brooklyn. Or Brooklyn, you don't give us what we want, then we'll move him to you know Utah or, or, or Dallas. Dallas mm-hmm. would be another spot that uh, he would be a lot of fun in, I think. But um, yeah, I, I don't think this really changes anything in terms of his value. They try to get a first-round pick at the trade deadline, and they couldn't. I'd be surprised. You know, I think we were all said we would be kind of surprised if you end up getting a first-round pick for mm-hmm. Terrence, but... Now, if you, some people are even talking about potentially, you know, packaging maybe like one of our second round picks with Terrence to move up into like the end of the first round if there's a, a guy that you like there. So, you know, we have some mechanisms to move Terrence. So I still think he has some value and I think it probably comes on draft night. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. All right. Before we uh, talk about the front court grade, so like you mentioned on the last episode, we talked about uh, the guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, some news came out over the weekend that we didn't get a chance to discuss. A certain finalist list for a, a certain award <laughs> that uh, you know Magic fans had kind of a rooting interest in, in the Rookie of the Year finalists. And there was a, an omission from that list that I don't think we're very happy about, and that would be Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner was left off of the Rookie of the Year finalist list. The finalists are um, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, and Scotty Barnes. Luke, what uh, what do you feel about this? I'm 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 a little upset. I I get it. I think I'm upset for the for the reason of like our guy didn't make the list, right? But at the same time, man, looking at the list, it's hard. Those are those are three very very good players that were just you know Mobley on a better team. Cade, that team had a significantly worse win percentage when he wasn't on the court and wasn't playing in those games and scotty barnes man i he just he's a guy that i i don't know 15 and 7 he's the one that i think i would take out um but the the raptors are a good team man the raptors are a good team and they're a playoff team and i think that played a role in it as well i have a hot take um i would not take scotty out i wouldn't take evan mobley out oh i would remove kate cunningham so Cade Cunningham uh, played uh, 15 fewer games than Franz, um, averaged two points more than Franz. Franz was more efficient from two, from three, and from the free throw line. Um, now Cade did average more uh, rebounds and assists than Franz, but Cade also averaged 30 more touches per game than Franz. Mm. So you throw all that together, him being the number one overall pick, like just having that status is going to give you if it's between him and Franz they're like well Cade was the first pick so like Mm -hmm. the narrative kind of matches but to me like Cade and even Jalen Green was getting some consideration to be a rookie of the year finalist from various people in the media because of the way that they finished the season and Cade Cunningham the same way like the last two three months of the season played great but to me it's a rookie of the year it's not the rookie of the last two or three months of the season and Franz, the only rookie that I, you can sell to me as being as consistent or even more consistent than Franz would be Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. As much as you idiot Raptors fans that love to come on our channel and listen to our stuff are going to love to hear that, um, Scotty Barnes to me was the only guy that was as consistent or more consistent than Franz. For me with Evan, it's like was on a great team you know, with, with the Cavs. If he's healthy, if, if Jared Allen is, is totally healthy, you know, I think they end up making you know the the playoffs instead of being bounced in the play in. 
And to me, the rookie of the year should be Evan Mobley. Was you know, great offensively, was super efficient, yep. and was one of the best offensive players in the league. Like I, I don't really think that's up for discussion. Uh, him and Jared Allen just transformed that team when, when the two of those guys were on the floor. So for me, if I'm taking anybody off, it's going to be Kate Cunningham. What I will say is this is a historic rookie class. Like this class we're going to be talking about 15, 20 years from now, like Man, that 2021 class was just excellent. There's, you know, 10 or 15 guys from that, you know, that at one point of their career might have been able to make an all-star game. So I don't think it's a it, it's necessarily a knock on Franz's performance and how well he played this year, but I know two things to be true. When it comes to these awards, they love narratives. Mm. We we've seen that time and time again. You know, James Harden should have won an MVP a few years ago, but because of Russ and the triple doubles and everything like that, he wins the MVP. And I know another thing to be sure: teams don't watch Franz Wagner. I will excuse me. The media does not watch Franz Wagner, and and they don't watch the Orlando Magic. And this really goes for every media personality out there. When I hear them talk about Franz and they leave him out of the conversation of some of the best rookies or some of the best young players in the league, it becomes very apparent to me that they don't watch the games because. I think right now we would all kind of agree that he doesn't really have a, a ceiling. Like there's there's not a, a massive hole in his game that you can point to and be like, oh, that is going to hold him back. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to be like a top 10 or 15 guy in the league, but I feel very confident in saying that, you know, Franz has a chance to make an all-star game one day. I don't think that's a homer take. I don't think that's a bias take. I feel like if you watch the, you know, 79 games or 80 games, whatever it was that he played in this season – like the kid is is fantastic and he shows you something new every single night. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um I think that I'm still like I I don't I don't feel really any type of way about Franz being left out of the finalists. But with that being said, I mean it it does go to show how great this draft class is. Yeah. And 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 also just to kind of echo what you said, I, yeah, absolutely Franz Who's to say that he couldn't make an all-star team at some point? Um, hopefully, he's wearing a magic uniform when he does so. So I um, I hope that we see that day. Franz come. also had a higher player efficiency rating than Kate Cunningham. It was oh. Barnes one, Mobley two, Franz three. Yeah, that's well, rookies uh, with a minimum of two thousand minutes played. Yeah, I think that the uh, Kate getting more touches obviously helps. But I do wonder if Average it has two more points and thirty more touches. I mean, come on, what are we talking about here? I I do I do and wonder. Franz is more efficient. I'm I, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off, but it's like yeah. the evidence is that right now Franz is the you know the better scorer. Right. Yeah. I, no. What I was gonna say is that I do think that like Franz's uh, his lack of ability to assert himself this year really hurt him. I think he gets probably more touches if he's just more demanding about getting those touches. Yeah. But I also think that it could be looked at as like a it's a team teammate, you know, good teammate quality trait. I guess Franz knows like we we want to win these games. We're not necessarily here to win these games, and everybody's just trying to get better. So Franz is and and you know, kind of talking about that whole like know your role type thing. Like we want you to just do your role, um, and and then you can kind of work up from there, right? Like do your role, and I think Franz is just doing that. He's just playing his role this year, and I'm hoping that's the case, and I'm hoping that next year he's able to unlock the next thing there for him. Yeah, well, and we, we talk more in the you know the the player grades for the front court guys, and that's kind of what we brought up with Franz is like, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end of the season, he, he was not really asserting himself, and 
it's clear to everyone with two eyes like this offense should be a lot of you know Franz and Wendell you know dribble handoffs pick and rolls mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff right and uh, hopefully hopefully next season we'll see some more of that and I don't think I like I'm not as upset as I thought I was going to be that he was left off of like the rookie because like all of those guys are great like Evan's great Cade's great Scotty's great I just feel like you know Franz Franz deserves a little bit more love I mean we're we kind of have this like you know, little brother or this like irrelevancy complex that like people don't watch the magic. People don't talk about the magic and it's, it's just over and over and over again. It rings true. And it's unfortunate until we really take the, you know, a massive step and we become, you know, part of the conversation in terms of contenders in the East. This is the way that it's going to be. Cause even when you saw the magic, you know, making the, the seventh seed and the eighth seed, you, you still don't get a lot of intention. Like the magic are those two seasons are known for winning game one in the first round and then getting swept. So, right. It is what it is. All right, Luke, at this point, we are going to get into our player grades for the front court players of this season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Luke, today we are going to go through uh, the player grades for the front court players. Monday's episode, we did the back court players. Tonight, we are going to go through the front court players. So first up, Luke, we're, we're just going to get these guys out of the way. Just kind of inconsequential rotation players for the Magic this season. First up, Ignis Brazdakis. See. So <laughs> can I read the stats? Can I read the stats? 42 games for Brazdakis, 12.8 minutes, 5 points per game, 43% from the floor, 31% from the three-point line, 
65% from the free throw line, 1.7 rebound, and didn't average one of anything else except 1.1 personal foul a game. Ignis Brzezdekis, we both give him a C. Um, I give him a C because I didn't expect him to really see the floor this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, he did a lot more of that than we uh, wanted and anticipated and was largely not great um, in his play this season, but kind of caught on at the end of the season. Started playing relatively well. I will give him that. But um, yeah, for what I, I didn't expect much out of him. And towards the end of the season, I will say the last couple of weeks kind of, I I don't want to say sweetened on Ignis because that just doesn't sound right. But you know what? Yeah. I, I didn't want to rag on him so hard towards the end of the season. He was playing pretty well, so I gave him a C. Yeah, I gave him a C. Same reason. Didn't have any expectations. Now, don't get me wrong, Jonathan. I wanted to give this man an F minus. Um just because Pidgeotto. I, he was always yeah. He was on the court and I just like I got I would just be genuinely angry that he was on the court at any point. It didn't matter what game, what the consequences were. Was that were, his was fault that though? No. I, I feel bad because it's not his fault. No, it's just miscast, right? His cast should be out of the NBA, and he was miscast into a roster spot in the NBA. So, there you go. Miscast, missed shots, you know. Mm-hmm. All the same thing. A, a lot of that. All right. Admiral Schofield. C. No. Admiral Schofield gets a B. Oh. For what he did at the end of the season. <laughs> okay. He exceeded my expectations. Okay. I didn't think That's he was, fair. like, for the smoke. So, mm-hmm. I give him a B. Okay, Outside of that, he's that solid C. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I like you know, see these guys get a little a little feisty, you know. So that okay. that was uh, but yeah. Outside of that, I mean, I actually did like whenever Schofield was on the floor. He didn't try to play outside of himself, like didn't wow me. But especially like when Dell was when when Dell was off the floor, he was like one of those guys that could just be really like physical. Like Wendell can be defensively, not the same player as Wendell, but. Yeah, Schofield was a, uh, you know, an, a nice surprise. I didn't expect a ton of out of Admiral. Um, I thought he was actually going to be bit, pretty bad. And in his minutes, I was like, yeah, he's fine. He's not. He's not great, but um, you know, I like. I like me some Schofield. I like. Okay, so fine. I like him more than I like Ignis. So I give Schofield a C plus. I like that. All right. What about Rolo? So. With Rolo for me, and uh, we can just kind of go through thumb of, thumb of the that as I do my Mike Tyson. <laughs> 36 games for Robin Lopez. It's been a long day. Mm. 17 minutes, 7.1 points per game. About 6.9 points per game coming from uh, the hook shot. Uh, 55% mm. from the floor, 33% from the three-point line, 59% from the free throw line, 3.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists per game. Robin Lopez. I I mean kind of like like Ignis and and Schofield I really didn't have expectation for Robin Lopez coming to this year. I knew that he was kind of just brought in because he loves Disney. Uh and uh, That's not why he was brought in. That's why he <laughs> decided to sign here. Oh, that's why he brought himself in. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. But um but yeah. So so yeah, so as far as that goes with with him, you know, he um I gave him a B minus. You know, I, I, he's fine. He's, he's, he's a funny guy. He, he, he's just, he's quirky, loves mascots or hates him, depending on how you view it. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of B minus. I give Robin a B plus and that is because 
he was brought in to be largely a example for the younger guys to be a locker room presence. I thought he was going to be like almost non-existent in that regard, like to be fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of the young guys love him, like especially Jalen. Like he and Jalen, like you know, went to like Animal Kingdom together and you know mm-hmm. spent some time together off the court, That's which I I literally did not see that coming at all this yeah. season. But um, yeah, Robin Lopez, you know, much. I enjoyed Robin Lopez a lot more than I thought I was going to. And this is a guy that didn't play in most of the games this season. It was off the court stuff. I don't think I ever saw him sit on the bench. Always on the floor. He sat on the floor the whole season. And I don't mean playing. He was was on the floor. He sat on the floor in front of the bench every single game. Mm -hmm. That's just crazy to me. But I guess it it helps his back. You know, I'm, I'm sympathetic to those with with back ailments, but yeah, I enjoyed Robin Lopez a lot more than I did. Um, you know, in terms of on the court, I didn't, you know what? I thought we weren't going to see Robin at all because I thought Mo was going to be the backup center. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think we would see him on the floor at all. So he exceeded my expectations really in every facet. So I'll give him a B plus. Okay. All right. um, I'm going to stay steady. Am I, uh, am I, what did I say? B minus. Do you want to bring Robin back next season? I don't know. It seems pretty inconsequential. You need vets, though. I do think that's important. I don't. I don't think, especially that it's... if Terrence is in here, which mm-hmm. a lot of us expect him not to. Right. Be. Yeah. And and I I think that you would need to if you don't bring back Rolo, you better be bringing in a vet who plays pretty much the same role. Hopefully, they play way less minutes than seventeen minutes a game, like Rolo did in his thirty six games, just because of the fact that I hope we don't need this vet that's really there for just like off the court stuff. So, yeah, I, I think that it wouldn't hurt to bring Rolo back by any means. I don't think that he plays much next year, barring that the team is healthy, but it could be interesting. I think we forget um, how much, like, some of these guys' minutes were affected by, like, the whole COVID situation. Like, yeah. um, when some of these guys were out, like, Robin was playing a ton. And really what it came down to in terms of, like, that third kind of center role, it was either Mo Wagner that night or it was Robin Lopez and yeah. it was like a decision that mostly just went with like I'm gonna it's gonna be all this guy or all this guy. I don't think we saw too many games where like Mo would play a little bit of the backup five and then Robin would play a little bit of the backup five. I would like to see him back just because again I did enjoy him this season. And like you said, you need vets on this team. He, I would like to see Robin Lopez. Taken back. out of context, this percentage is kind of like crazy. Robin Lopez at the capacity of the player he is now, who basically has like a hook shot in his repertoire. Um, it's unstoppable though. He, <laughs> it is he, unstoppable. He played, he started in 25% of the games he played. He, he started crazy. in nine games out of the 36 that he played. So I hope that's not the case next year. That would mean the team's got some injury problems, uh, health problems, whatever it might be. So I'm, I'm hoping we see Rolo less on the court and more on the court sitting. You know what I'm saying? Rolo also brought like some edge to the team. Mm. Like when he went in there against the Hornets and started like breaking stuff up, like he brings a little bit of an edge that you need, I think. Yeah. Like for years we complained that we didn't have any of those guys really when you talk about, you know, right. Vucevic and and for and although Evan does have a little bit of that edge, you don't really see it as much. Mm-hmm. I feel like Evan was probably one of the most fiery guys, you know, in, in those like, you know, 2014 to, you know, 2017 teams. Um, you know, somewhere around there, but 
you know, Robin would get into it with referees and, you know, start arguing. <laughs> what was the, right. he was like, he, the bench got a tech. Yeah. So he starts like shushing the team during free throws. Like just, uh, we've talked way too long about Robin Lopez or, or maybe That's not true. long enough, depending on how you look at it. All mm-hmm. right. This is going to be where you and I draw the line in the sand. Uh, let's talk about Chuma Kiki and, uh, go first, please. Chuma Kiki. Uh, I had high expectations for for Chuma from what I remember, you know, about the start to the season. I had high expectations for him based on last year, kind of like that uh, RJ Hampton type expectation where like you think they're going to definitely take a jump. He shoots 41.7% from the field last year, 34.8% from three, um, you know, those sort of things. So as a result of my expectation for him, and the fact that he shot 37% from the field and 31.8% from three, um, uh, I just, 0.8 turnovers, 1.7 assists, I gave Chuma a C-. minus. A C-. minus. So I gave Chuma a B-. minus. Okay. So Chuma started off the year really slow, you know, coming back from the hip injury and, and really, you know, struggled to shoot the ball early on in the year. And although he never got back, you know, quite to the point of last season, where again when we talk about R.J. Hampton, uh, you know, on the last episode, kind of in the same vein, where uh, wasn't really put in the you know, positions to kind of do what he does best, uh, and didn't have as big of a role. I always think, you know, more minutes, guys have a better chance to play in rhythm. They're more confident because they're asked to just be on the floor more, so they feel better about themselves. Uh, Chuma. And a lot of what we saw out of him last year, although you know, definitely shot you know a great percentage from the three-point line, he was asked to like play make a lot more for the Magic. And this season on offense uh, was really relegated more to like a a, a three-point like just like a spot-up three-point shooter. And especially his percentages at the beginning of the year um, didn't really help. Like you said, he ends up just around you know thirty point uh, you know thirty percent on the year. Uh, before, uh, uh, excuse me, before the all-star break, 30%, um, after the all-star break, 33.6% from the three-point line, uh, Chuma still a great defender. Like we saw him just absolutely like take over games, uh, in a couple of instances, you know, having three, four, you know, five, six steals in some of these games, still a, a great defender. Um, in terms of my expectations of, of, of Chuma definitely didn't live up to the expectations, uh, that I had for him. Like, at the end of last year, everyone was kind of calling Chuma like basically like baby Kawhi. Not um, basically, they but were doing it. They they were calling him Chuma, uh, <laughs> Chuma baby Kawhi. You you are correct in that vein. But once what we saw out of Chuma the beginning of the season, I was like, okay, like we kind of got past the point where it was like just rust and he looked terrible. So kind of in the 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 same way that I think of Gary Harris, where he had such a drastic change and, and Chuma didn't have quite as drastic of a change as Gary Harris did, but because of how bad he was at the beginning of the season, I kind of started to feel better about Chuma as time went on. So for me, I have Chuma as a B minus. Um, to me, if you put Chuma in the correct role at this point, I don't know if he's going to start. This is going to be a, hold conversation into the off season and into training camp, depending on the health of Jonathan Isaac and also the draft pick that we make. But in my opinion, Chuma needs to have the ball in his hands a bit more because Chuma has shown two things outside of the ability to shoot, shoot the three. 
can make plays off of the dribble. And if he gets someone on the block, he's shown that he can be relatively efficient there as well. Um, so, you know what? You've talked me into a C-plus for Chuma, I, I, I must admit. But I do feel like um, you weren't totally fair to Chuma at times this season, which we have talked about. There was a stretch of games, um, I think in either February or March. Let me pull up Chuma's February stats here. Um, so for the month of February, Chuma Okiki shot 39.7% from the three-point line on 5.7 attempts. That was definitely the point of the season where I was like, yo, you need to you need to show Chuma a little bit of love because um, at that point in the season was doing his thing. Um, and then we go to March, Chuma Okiki 28.9%, so it definitely cooled off a little bit. But um, yeah, all right. Maybe, maybe Chuma didn't have quite the year that I thought he did, I, but you were I, I tons of disrespectful to Chuma. That is fine, Jonathan, because despite his great stretch, he still ends the year shooting 31.8% from three on five attempts. Like it still wasn't good. It did. It wasn't a Gary Harris situation where he was shooting bad, and then he shot so well that he bought it, brought it up to thirty-eight percent from three. Chuma didn't do that. Chuma had a great stretch, and and that was that. I, I just I I don't think an apology was warranted at all, just because of of his good stretch. He still ended up like as a big picture, bad percentages, bad splits, and 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 good defense. Right. I mean, like I said with Jalen Suggs, like great defense. Like I said with Jalen Suggs, you know, this isn't a this isn't a one side of the ball type of situation. You gotta be able to play both. And Chuma just it didn't do it for me. All right. I wanna go I'm gonna go month by month here. So it was really a January and February uh that he shot the ball pretty well from the three point line again, like you said, not enough to make up for the entire season that we saw. No, the month of November, 24% from the three-point line. The month of December, it was 23% from the three-point line. And then into January, got up to 38%. Into February, talked about that it was at 39%. And the last you know couple of months of the year, it dips down just a little bit. I feel like Chuma is somewhere in the mean here. Like He's probably not 40% three-point shooter that we saw last year. He's definitely not the 30% three-point shooter that we saw this year. Um, it was it was kind of a weird year for Chuma. Again, like gets off to the slow start. In January and February, when he was shooting the ball, I felt like it was warranted at that time. Because mm-hmm. we at that point, it was like two months of Chuma shooting the ball particularly well. Now, did you end up being right across the entire season? Yeah. Yes, I will give you that. But in January and February, asking for an apology was warranted. Yes. But the reason I didn't ever give one is simply because I said I want like I want this to play out. I I I still haven't seen enough for me to 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 feel like I need Jonathan as badly as you want this apology. It is never going to happen. So, but 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 but, but what in December when Gary Harris started shooting the ball, you were one hundred percent back on the Gary Harris train. I Why is in that him. fair? I believed in him. Chuma said, shot forty percent from the three point line last year. But but Jonathan, big picture. No who, big picture. All we had around. was last year's picture. That that's fine. Big and picture Gary he Harris did, but in, in the, the moment, in it, the moment, you were picking the guy that you liked. I didn't and then like Chuma, him. It was like I told I I did not like him. I liked him prior to the season. You loved Gary Harris when we traded for Gary Harris. I lo- you're right, but I fell off that when he's got off to his terrible start. Okay. Okay. All right. And then he starts to okay. write the ship, and he carries it out. And the, the the big picture, I think it speaks for itself. I was right. But 
And and the reason that I turned around so quickly with Gary and not Chuma is because Chuma is young. Chuma has not shown me anything to make me think prior to that that this man is going to just be a knockdown three-point shooter for his career. Gary Harris has been on some good teams. He's been a decent shooter. And he, and no, he, he hasn't. He was a decent shooter five years ago. has been terrible until this year. Still was still was good at one point. Okay, okay, just oh, fine, fine. Still, That's your point, good. and you want to stick to it. That's totally fine. January and February, I will never let this go. During that time, Chuma should have got an apology. You gave Gary one. That's fine. You didn't give Chuma one. Yes, it played out. You ended up being right big picture. January and February, I feel like it was not outside of reason to say, you know what, Chuma's playing really well right now. Let me give him his flowers. You're never gonna get that from me. That's fine. We will. I told you this is where we were going to. This, this is the most heated part of this episode. This is where we are gonna draw the line in the sand on Chuma Okiki. I I conceded a little bit. I came down to. I think I said a C plus for Chuma. Yes. January February, the man was doing his thing. Yeah, I still well, believe in Chuma. If only the season was two months long. Well, you're then lucky Cole it wasn't would be, the one would be month long. You're lucky the season wasn't one month long because Gary would be out of the NBA. <laughs> All right, that's all I got to say about that. All right, agree to disagree, my friend. We can we can shake hands here. Uh-huh. There we go. Perfect. All right, let's move on to Moritz Wagner. Um, I love Moritz Wagner now. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like super high on him at the end of last year. A big part of it is because he's Franz's brother. Let's like let's not act like that doesn't play into this the way that I feel about Mo. But another guy that legitimately brings an edge. Kevin pointed out open night. We're at Amway watching them take on the Knicks. And he's talking trash to Julius Randle. He's talking trash to Tom Thibodeau. Like he is his number one goal while he's on the floor at all times is to get underneath everyone's skin on the opposing team. And he does that consistently night in and night out. When he gets minutes, maybe not the best player, but can give you highlights. Yamming on somebody, he can knock down the occasional three-point shot has like the greenest of all green lights of anybody in the league. Like if he is even remotely feeling it, the ball touches his hands, it is going up. But I love Moritz Wagner. I gave Moritz Wagner this season a B plus based off of what I expected out of him to start the season, which was not much. Right, which is the big thing for me and the reason that I gave Mo Wagner an A. He, an I A? Didn't, okay. I didn't have much expectation and Jonathan, I mean, if you look at his in in 11, 11 games with the Magic last year, right? Eleven games, he had eleven points a game, okay, and twenty six minutes per game. That's sizable. One would say you shouldn't have expectations for that player going into next year because he probably won't touch the court. I mean, not, I mean, eleven points in twenty six minutes. That's not that's not great. Shot forty percent from the field. This year, Jonathan comes in only 15 minutes a game and averages only two points less. Nine points a game in 15 minutes. Takes a nine, almost 10% increase from the field. Shoots basically 50% from the field. Takes a slight, you know, a dip, obviously, in his three-point percentage. But I, I cannot, it's almost like not only does he get my respect for the play on the court, but but just like what he brought to the culture even speaks to it more and was the real reason that he got up to an A for me. Um, he was on the uh, Duncan Robinson's podcast. I don't know the name of it. Long, The Long Shot. 
Yeah, so he was on it. Uh, Producer Kevin sent that link to us. I watched the first five minutes. It was kind of sad. He talked about how, um, you know, he's he feels like he's dialing it down. Like he was like, I don't I don't really cuss anymore on the court. I don't get fired up on the on the court as much talking trash. He was like, I don't do that as much because it occurred to me after big altercations or whatever, I would receive more texts after those games than the games when I played well. And he's like, and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I've reeled it in a little bit. I want, I kind of want, basically he's saying like, <laughs> I want my... He still like, does it plenty. Oh, plenty. But he's like, I dialed it back because I was getting more, hearing more about that than I was about when I played my good games. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And that's what he said. I felt kind of sad for more. It's there. So maybe I gave him a I mean, half you a You get headbutted by Giannis. Like, right. that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, so I give him an A. I think based on the expectation I had for him, the improvement that he made in a much larger sample size than just 11 games. I mean, yeah, I, Morris Wagner, I, he, he earned it. And he's Franz's brother, so he gets a great bump there as well. I Yeah, I, I agree. That uh, that definitely plays in it. For Moritz, with me, like very streaky three-point shooter, like whenever he yeah. pulls up, I'm like, oh, God. And sometimes mm-hmm. it goes in, and you're like, all right, you really can't be mad at that. But whenever the bench unit, it seemed like any time they would go on a run, it coincided with Moritz playing really well. On both ends of the floor. Now, on defense, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this, he's kind of in this weird spot where he's not quite quick enough to guard fours. He's not quite right. big enough to guard fives. So he's just out there, like, trying his best <laughs> on defense. And At least you try. Yeah. like, And he's not a bad defender. It's just, like, sometimes he has, like, really bad matchups because of, like, right. the limited lateral quickness that he he's has like or a, the limited like a, size that he has. He's a tweener, but I don't know where he goes. Yeah, he's he's a tweener in like the not the best sense of the word. Like mm-hmm. his size, you know, it might be like a three or four, but there's no way that he's kind of keeping up with some of those guys. But just like what he does for the culture and just kind of the like really one of the heart and souls of this team. I think most people would say it's Cole Anthony, and you'd be correct. But if you're like, oh no, I don't know, you know, there's something to that Moritz Wagner guy. I think that's uh, Valid. I think there's a, a conversation to be had a, about that as well. But yeah, really like Moritz Wagner. Let's talk about the other Wagner. Mm. Hmm. Now, this was difficult for me in, in grading because I just, I I can't give somebody that didn't have like an all-star type of season an A+. Plus. I, don't, uh. I don't think I gave anyone an A+. Plus. Mm. In terms of expectations, like... I, what do you this have where it comes down for this guy? I, listen, what, what it comes down to me for Franz is like when guys started coming back in January and in February, we we saw the offense like dial back. And it was so obvious to us in December that he is by far our best offensive player. Mm. And I just wanted to see him go, you know what, I, I can do this in the league. And I do it better than anyone else on the team. And the ball needs to go through my hands almost every single possession, especially down the stretch. And too many times... When Cole came back, when Jalen came back, you know, we, we talked there was a, a game um that the Magic lost late in the season that Franz went the last like six possessions in a row without touching the ball at all. Mm-hmm. And for a guy who throughout the season my expectations of him grew and grew and grew, I knew when guys started to come back that he wasn't gonna be the same player that we saw in in uh, December. He was still very, very good in, you know, January, February, March and you know, into April. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I, I want to see that dog out of him. And I think this is, and this is going to sound really bad. I didn't sour on Franz, but like I, I was, I was disappointed that he couldn't really like sustain that level of offensive aggression throughout the rest of the season. And I think he would have benefited from that. Obviously as a player, the magic would have benefited from that as a team, get the ball out of some other guys' hands in some certain situations without kind of going into names. But because of what we, I mean, what we saw at a summer league, if we're just going from summer league to like the big picture of the season, which you want to do, that's fine. I'm taking more of like, I guess like a nuanced approach. Mm-hmm. He would be an A plus if I was just like, Right. Summer league, regular yeah. season, A+. Plus. But because of just like watching these guys day in and day out, game by game, and yeah. because it was just like the the like the, the stock for Franz, like, you know, it was kind of, we, we knew it was great. December, it went through the freaking roof. And then, if we're being honest, like January through March, like it came down a little bit. Still very high, but it wasn't at like the peak that it was in December. I gave Franz an A-. minus. Okay. Um, yeah, I, mine was solely from the standpoint of like, listen, this guy was the eighth pick. He also looked awful in summer league, like, because, because he is not an assertive guy right now. Like he's not an assertive player by any means right now. He needs to be, he needs to be, you're right. Uh, but because of that, you couple that with the fact that guy couldn't hit a shot. I mean, it was, it was terrible. And I was very low on front at that point. I was like. This guy can't do anything. This guy can't shoot. This guy won't continue to shoot because he's not going to ask for the ball. Like, I was very low on Franz heading into the year. As a result, he got an easy, no-brainer, A-plus for me. Uh, if you told me that that same guy that I watched play Summer League and got picked eight by the Orlando Magic, that nobody knew anything about, by the way, for the most part, except for the people that did their research, would average 15 points a game, four and a half rebounds, three assists, one and a half turnovers, shoot 35%, 35.5% from three on three and a half per attempts, and 46.8 from the field, um, I'd say you're out of your mind. That's not the guy that I watched. That's not the guy yeah. that I thought the Magic drafted. Uh, regardless, big picture, A+. A+. I mean, the the, the kid is, is great. I think he's going to have some hang-ups because of his lack of assertiveness. I think it might take a little longer for him to take another big jump considering more talents coming back next year this team should be better and uh there won't be as much of a a necessarily like responsibility on him at least out of the gate next year i think we could see a a dip in numbers next year to be completely honest but i don't think that that's going to necessarily be a bad thing i think his volume is just going to be down yeah the volume i think naturally will be down with markel coming back if jonathan isaac comes back you know draft pick some of these guys draft pick exactly for me, what is kind of frustrating about Franz is like some guys just don't have a fire like that. Like some guys are just like really good basketball players, but like they don't have like that competitive right. fire. So they're just like kind of going through the motions and in going through the motions, you're just like going to have better games than others. You're going to have a 38 point explosion or you're going to have an 11 point game, whatever the case may be. But with Franz, like we we see the competitive fire almost every single game. He'll dunk on somebody, scream yeah. in their face. He'll hit a shot in somebody's face and you know, scream and hype himself up going down the other end. I know it's in there. Yeah. How how can we get that out of you all the time? Yeah. Like, but my concern and 
Like if, if Franz ends up being the second best player on a contender, you're you can't be mad at that with the eighth pick. Right. But I think his skill set, his frame, the level of athleticism athleticism that he has and his skill level, like his potential is like a perennial all star kind of guy. Yeah. But to me, it's gonna take him like wanting to be the guy in more situations for that to happen. I don't know that that's something that you can necessarily teach, but I'm encouraged because we've seen flashes of it. But we've also seen flashes of him just like deterring to guys who are clearly not as good of basketball players as he is. I, I think that it's there's worse problems to have. I mean, we, yes. you talk about the guys that we've given grades to so far. Jalen, we practically said he needs to revamp his entire offensive game. Like that's that that we we that that is essentially what it boiled down to. With Franz, it is simply turning into the being the guy. Like you, I remember, you obviously have uh, have talked about Markel in the past of like I just wish Markel. I don't think he knows how good he is. I like getting to his spot, getting to the basket. I think Franz is in that same situation. He's just young. He might not have all the confidence in the world right now. But hopefully this offseason he is able to kind of be told and, and spoken into basically by his by Mosley and the coaching staff and the guys around him that say, hey, like you can be the guy. It's up to you. We're going to try to put you in spots to succeed. You just need to take advantage of it. Demand the ball in situations, right? I would love nothing more than to hear stories about like a final shot happening and Franz being in the in the huddle like, no, I want the shot. I, yeah. I want that out of Franz. And I and I think that he can get there, man. He's he's young, and to have the season he had, he's already got a leg up on his career, based on what we saw this season. It's all up to him, man. There's there's not a part of his game, truthfully, that I'm like, man, he really needs to improve in this area. The only yeah. area, and it, that's pretty insane to say for a rookie. The only area that I think he has to improve is his tenacity and like just willingness to demand the ball. That's it. What's crazy is how young he is. I know we don't see any like massive holes in his game, but just like everything is should improve a bit, which right. like for him, if he figures out that he is the best option with the ball in their hands, yeah. like I want to see him, you know, getting like waved to the corner and like no, like coming up to the logo right. and like like yeah. give me the ball. Like give right. me the ball, get out of the way. Yeah. Me and Wendaddy are about to run this high pick and roll. Like Nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And it's either a lob to Wendell or it's that sweet Euro hook off the glass <sighs> that is just like unstoppable. Right. So I think because we're kind of going into this with different like grading philosophies, I think we're yeah. mostly agreeing here. We're, we're saying just kind of thing. coming at it from we're we're saying the same thing here. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, mm. we already mentioned him, Wendaddy Carter Jr. Um, I think did we haven't done Mo either. Mo Bamba. How could I forget Mo Bamba? Mm. Mo Bamba. Let's do Mo before we get into Wendell. Can't believe okay. I forgot Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. I'll give him a B minus from what I expected from him this season, mm-hmm. and that's because didn't really know quite what to expect. Like we talked about how he could be better, you know, with more minutes last year with Steve Clifford being the head coach. Um, we you know went through his like per thirty six numbers and and everything like that. Um, Mo proved one that to me, he is an NBA starting, not starting, excuse me, an NBA caliber player, which Mm -hmm. last year we were just like, we don't know. You won't put him on the floor. You're opting to go with Ken Birch. Obviously at the time, Ken Birch was the better player 
And we're like, we just don't know if Mo can ever be anything. So the fact that Mo played in, what was it, like 72 games for me is a big deal. I wasn't sure that we were, I'm sorry? 71, yep. 71, excuse me. 71 games. So 71 games, 25 minutes, 10 points. um, Shot 48% from the floor, 38% from the three-point line. um, 78% from the free throw line, eight rebounds, one assists, uh, and 1.7 blocks a game. So did he wow me at any point? No. Was he very frustrating with his level of inconsistency where some games he would look incredible, other games he wouldn't? No, but not really knowing what to expect out of Mo. Definitely not expecting him to like start. I believe he started in every game that he appeared in, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I gave Mo a B-. minus. Yeah, so I gave him a C, um, just a, a flat C. I mean, in terms of what you would expect, I don't know what I expected. That's but if I, you, I also don't remember what I expect. Like I kind of don't remember you, what I expected from Mo, but I don't feel like it was a ton. You just felt like there was probably a toss-up between Mo and Wendell, which is hilarious. Um, but right at the time, rightfully so. But now it's hilarious. But continue. Sorry. Yeah, so, but essentially, last year his issue was, and we called for it. It was like more minutes. We want more minutes from Mo Bamba. He gets 16 minutes a game last year. This year, he gets 25.7. Uh, and only scores 10.6 a game. He doesn't shoot bad from the field, 48%. He shoots great, especially for a big man from three, 38% on four attempts. Like, you look at his his percentages and 25 minutes, I would tell you that, shoot, maybe Mo averaged like, 14 15 a game with those splits and 25 minutes um just barring on what i knew about mo but mo's lack of ability to get to the free throw line because he plays like a wing um he shot jonathan one free throw a game one the man is 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 seven feet tall how are you shooting one free throw a game Shoots well when he gets there, 78%. I mean, you'd like to see a little bit more with that small of a attempt per game. Uh, 1.1 turnover to his 1.2 assists. Eight rebounds. That's fine, but like Wendell out-rebounded you, and he's smaller than you. <laughs> like, it's... it's uh, I don't know that... Um, yeah, sorry, I'll, no, I'll, I'll let you finish. No, no, no. I, my, my, my point was basically wrapping up. Post moves, not there. Plays like a wing, tries to be at least, and is a great three-point shooter. That's really all that I can say is that he is a great three-point shooter. There's nothing that he did that exceeded expectations besides his three-point percentage this past year. I gave him a C. So, like, just looking back at like some of the you know the Vooch seasons that we had, like you know two point two free throws a game, two point five free throws a game. I don't. To me, that's not a huge knock on him because like that's like not his game. But w- would you agree that in most instances of Mo being on the floor, especially with the starters, that he was like the fifth option offensively behind like, you know, Cole was definitely like number one just in terms of like sheer attempts and then, you know, some order of Wendell, Franz, and Jalen, and then Mo being five? Yes. I-, I think that a big part is that he just wasn't a-, a high option on the board. But I also think that speaks volumes to Mo as a player. Why wasn't he? Probably, and, and the free throw thing is, it pisses me off just because he's seven foot tall. 
I understand Mo, uh, Vooch was only shooting, you know, two, two and a half attempts a game, but it's because he has no post moves. Jonathan, imagine if this kid had confidence. Well, I mean, we did see him uh, not be able to back down Peyton Pritchard. That's what I'm saying. You you get somebody in the post, you should be able but, to get fouled. But did you expect Mo to have that this season? I expected something more than what I saw. I don't. I mean, like I, it just like his whole. I played with uh, uh, a kid back home. Played like pickup ball. Uh, played against him in high school. Kid is huge, but he only shot three pointers. And I got so mad at this kid because I was like, "You're, you're not six foot tall. Like you are. You are six eleven, playing against a bunch of kids that are six feet tall." What are you doing? Get in the post and do something. But the kid, it, it, it's the same thing. It just makes me so mad that like this the, the, kid is listening now. He's like, I can't wait for Luke to move back to Ocala. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna kill that. I'm kid. putting that kid in a trash in the, can in the ground. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, and he could. He's six foot eleven. Uh, but right. Maybe not. Maybe he takes more of the small guy approach and thinks he couldn't do it. So anyway, um, but but yeah, Mo. It's just a lot of frustration for me. Like, I, I get why I get he didn't get a lot of touches, but there's a reason. There's a reason he didn't get minutes under Cliff. There's a reason that he didn't get the touches under Mose. Like, there's a reason for all of this, man. And I, and I think that there's more to it than than just numbers. Well, so let me let me ask you this. I guess so. We get frustrated because we know what Mose potential is. I certainly didn't expect him to play up to his potential this season. I thought he could. Mm-hmm. That I think he was just all of a sudden going to become this like incredible like shot blocker, you know, knocking down like a ton of threes and you know rebounding the ball and and being this like really dynamic lob threat. I didn't expect that at all. Does he have the physical tools to do that? Absolutely. But I mean, just what I expected out of, and we're going to get to Wendell in a moment mm-hmm. and like why that was, and that's kind of why. I, almost jumped in there when you mentioned that uh-huh. we didn't expect Wendell to be Wendell this year. Mm-mm. So I don't think it's fair to be like, Oh, we kind of thought it was a toss up. Wendell just went on to have like a phenomenal season for the magic. And for me, Mo was Mo was fine this year. Was he very frustrating? Yes. Because we didn't see him live up to his potential. What was he bad? I don't think he was bad. I just think it comes down to the fact that, like, like I said, you look at the splits, you look at his like everything, and you think he did what he could, but what, like, what did we not see? I don't know, but I feel like there's something we're missing. Like some, I mean, th- th- we've talked g- about that, right? Well, the coaching staff just knows he can't get in the post. He can't do that. He's not a great defender. He's just an elite shot blocker. Like, there are so many holes to his game that hold him back. From from excelling, I don't. I mean, as great as that half, that first half against Philly was, where he had like seven or eight three pointers. That's not like realistic. It's realistic once, once maybe every five every season. So like, I just he he's got a, a good half in him once every thirty forty games. It seems something like that. Not to that extent, but I just think there's more. He'll have to a few like games be, a season where he gets you fifteen right. to twenty in the first half. Beyond the stats, why was he not up and higher on the pecking order? 
I just think it like to me it was just kind of like the natural order of things. Like obviously he looks around he and just sees, wasn't as good as everybody well, else. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, like Cole is Cole a bad player offensively? Could he be more efficient? Sure. But like obviously the point guard, especially if you're more of a scoring first point guard, you're almost always going to be the number one option. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Wendell and Franz are great, and Jalen was the fifth pick and is expected to go out and get shot attempts. And Mo, like you mentioned, he's, his thing is like, I'm just going to chill and hit threes. Like, that know, is shoot fine them when I'm open. If he wants to do that, but I just don't see that being effective. I if also he can't do anything else. People are going to pick also, up on this. I also didn't expect him to shoot 38% from the three. No, like I said, he he excelled. He exceeded my expectations from as a three-point shooter. But would I rather have him develop the freaking post game? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So and we saw like flashes of him being a good shot blocker, but I think he he proved that like that's I mean, how many guys in the league would you say are better shot blockers than Mo Bamba? Now we're not talking about a defender, like just from like a rim protection aspect. Right. It's like it's less than five guys. Yeah, I mean he like has it's Ro- Gobert, it's um like Mitchell Robinson, like just strictly from a shot blocking aspect. I mean, if we're like putting guys pro- out there to block shots, Hassan Whiteside's up there. No, no, I, but I'm saying like we're talking less than five here, right? Like if I if you're telling me I just need one guy to come off the weak side and block a shot at the rim, mm-hmm. Mo is elite in that respect, absolutely. And I don't know that we would have said that last year. I don't think he really proved that in the way that he did this year, and that just comes with you know more minutes, right? Like we knew that he had the potential because he's gigantic. Well, but this year he actually did it. But but the, the but one on one defender. I know. I think I don't know, man. I mean, last year fifteen minutes a game, he only had point four less blocks. He had one point three blocks a game. But what was your perception of him this year? Was your perception that like he was an elite shot blocker? And I'm and I don't even I haven't even looked at the stats to tell you right. where he is in terms of like blocks per game or anything like that. Right. Well, I'll tell you right now. I just now, feel yeah. much differently than him as a shot blocker this season than I did last year. Yeah. And I, that's not saying that like he's a, by any means a great defender because that's not – we're having different conversations, but – Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, in terms of blocks per game, he is right there with you know, like top, Evan Mobley. He's there top Pertle. five. I mean, he's a tied for fifth basically with 1.7 yeah. a game. And in terms of, you know, minutes, like plays less minutes than Robert Williams, uh, plays less minutes than Gobert, um, less minutes than Mobley and Pirtle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can make the argument, I guess, that he could get a... Imagine another, Robert you know, Williams block at, in there. at Moe's height. He might average like 50 blocks a game. <laughs> you mean Akeem Olajuwon? D- yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So, yeah, a little bit different feelings on Mobile, but now we can get to Wendell. Mm-hmm. So I again I wasn't gonna give anybody an A plus that didn't make an all star team. Wendell's a solid A for me. You could talk me into an A plus, but I just when I sat down to do that, I'm like, anyone that's not an all star, I'm not giving an A plus. Kind of a pointless rule, but that's the rule that I went into this with. I gave Wendell an A. Wendell, like obviously I didn't expect it from Franz, but out of Wendell, I was like, you know, he's he's fine. I didn't think he was anything particularly like special coming into the season. Like showed flashes that he could be really good, but especially the way that he started the season shooting the three point, like it was ridiculous. 
Yeah. He didn't keep that up the entire season, no. but it was just consistent every single night, average 15 and 10. And like through the, like towards the end of the year, he was putting up some ridiculous stat lines. Yeah. Um, was the pro- best, most consistent player all season long for the Magic. Uh, he was, you know, starting to really turn the corner in like, you know, January, February. And I was like, I still feel like he's got another level to get to. And then like March and April, he got to that next level and was like, it seemed like the last couple months of the season was averaging like 19 and 10 a game, something ridiculous like that. And now we feel like he's one of the best contracts in the league. We feel like we're good, you know, at center for the next, I don't know, seven, eight years, Mm -hmm. at least he's starting to live up to the hype coming out of college. We should have drafted him instead of Mo Bamba. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, yeah, man. I, I gave Dell an A plus. I him and uh him and Franz the only A pluses I gave solely because of the expectation that, that I had going into the season. And I still was higher than most on Wendell. You were. But he still exceeded it. Like he he still was a guy that uh, I thought that essentially at the time, like he was just better than Mo Bamba, and that's pretty much what my stance was. He's just better, and I think he should start. You know, so on and so forth. Like you said, fifteen and ten, man. He plays twenty nine. Doesn't even play thirty minutes a game. Twenty nine point nine. Shoots fifty two percent from the field, thirty two point seven percent from three. Like you said, he cooled off. Um, but in terms of just what he brought to the floor, that ten and a half rebounds a game, fifteen points. He just felt like a guy that that. And, and almost three assists, right? So, like, for, for a center, three assists is great. Three assists and, and 1.9 turnovers, essentially. So, I, I think that, you know, enough can't be said. Like you said, one of the best contracts in the league. This guy's a no-brainer A-plus for me. Just, there was a bar, and he just, like, broke completely through it. I mean, the, he he made, he, he brought, you know, I hope that he continues to make Mo Bamba feel a little bit like i don't know if insecure is the word but like that like what what could you be mo like dell his biggest thing i mean he had he had dealt he had not played 60 games in a season yet he plays 62 probably plays more if this team isn't tanking 100 uh, percent. and uh i think that like he was available to play he he never there was there was never really many times where i just was like yelling at at the game at, at Dell. Like Dell just does it, does it well. I think he represents the franchise. Well, like we've said before, he's talking about the Horace Grant goggles next year. I so badly hope that happens. He would just like as high as he is on people's list, he would like take a huge gap and, you know, create space between him and other magic players for some people and myself included. He's just embracing the culture. He's only 22. I mean, he, he truly is. He's, he's incredible considering what he was in Chicago. I think that he's just taken such a huge step. I think uh, one of the areas that he grew the most, and he he talked about this in his final press conference of the season, is that as the season went on with such a young locker room, he realized that there was still, out of the young guys, like there was a real need for leadership, mm-hmm. and he kind of stepped into that role. I know there was a game, uh, especially in that stretch at the beginning of the season, where the third quarters for them were just terrible. Uh, you know, they would be competitive in the first half, get killed in the third quarter, and then just weren't able to come back in the fourth. It was after a game, I think it was against um, Chicago when we kicked the crap out of them at home mm-hmm. at halftime. You know, the the game is is relatively co- close, and the the coaches start to talk and you know put on film. 
and Wendell says, shut that off. We don't need to see that. He told the guys, we all know what we need to do in the third quarter. They came out, and they still blew the doors off Chicago and won that game. He mm-hmm. talked about, you know, they would have, like, rough starts later on in the season. And, you know, Mosley would call a timeout, and he would just tell Mosley, like, chill. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're doing the right things. Shots just aren't falling. We're just going to keep doing what we're going to do, do and, and what we've been doing, and the game is going to turn around. And he said he does. He didn't. He forgot what game it was really when he referenced it. But he said, and we turned the game around. We ended up winning that game. So right. the steps that he made in, in that regard as well. And you know, we talked about he had the great start to the season. And as it went on, I started to talk about. It feels like this guy's got another level. Starting from January first to the end of the season, in twenty-eight games, averaged seventeen point six points per game, fifty-five percent from the floor almost 11 rebounds and three assists like that. If you put this guy on like a competitive team, this is a guy that we're going to be talking about potentially as an all-star because he is also one of the better defensive bigs one-on-one in the league. Yep. Talk about a guy that needs to go up against Jokic and, you know, and against mm-hmm. Embiid held his ground against those guys. You saw when he was out, Embiid drops 50 on us. Right. And you know, when he is in, you know, we go to overtime with those guys. So, just how strong he is, how smart of a player he is, just how consistent he is. Can't say enough good things about Wendell. He probably deserves an A plus, but I made a stupid rule and <laughs> I'm going to stick to it for this. So, yeah. all right, Luke. Well, that was our player grades for the front court. I think that's uh, that concludes really our player grades for this season. Maybe uh, next week or maybe in a couple of weeks we can do like a GM, like front office grades and you know Mosley grades. I think we talked about Mosley a bit already, but. Um, still, but so right now, uh, Luke, the NBA playoffs are going on. Um, currently, Boston in uh, in Game Two is down two to the Nets at home. The Raptors in Game Three against the Sixers are up twelve, and then tonight the Bulls and the Bucks play Game Two at nine thirty on TNT. But um, what have you thought so far um, about the playoffs, and and what's jumped out to you? I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead and say it. It's fine. No, no, no. Tell the tell the people what, what am I gonna say? What's look? There? All right. This is a conversation that I honestly do not remember having with mm. Luke, but I know he was big on Jordan Poole before the season. I'm not admitting. I'm not. I'm well. I'm not trying to say that I I like was high on. I know I was not high on Jordan Poole coming into this season. I know Luke was. He is saying that at some point I asked him whether or not he would really take Jordan Poole over Cole Anthony, which. Doesn't seem like a crazy thing that I would say when you look at their stats comparative like to last season. Um, but yeah, Luke is over the moon, as is everyone else about Jordan Poole. It's, he's become a real problem uh, for Denver, uh, not for the Warriors. I did say at the beginning of the season, Luke, if you remember when we were doing Shoot the Shot, that the Warriors were one of my you know most interesting storylines heading into the season if they could get healthy and get some of these guys back. Was I expecting you know Andrew Wiggins to be an all-star? No. Was I expecting Jordan Poole to play like an all-star the last couple of months and you know now the first couple of games of the playoffs? No. But um yeah, you're have your have your moment in the sun. You know, mm. you're a, a big Jordan Poole guy. Mm. Yeah. Uh I mean thirty points in game one, twenty nine points in game two on good efficiencies and insane st- efficiency. And and also just the fact like I was gonna mention the Warriors, I wasn't so much gonna harp on Jordan Poole that much. No, I, I was, know, but I figured I figured I just you know I'd let you rub it in some more. Okay, well thank you. I appreciate that. Uh the the main thing I was going to mention about the Warriors and the biggest storyline and really what is their ceiling 
they're beating the Nuggets. I know they don't have obviously like Jamal Murray. Like they don't have, but they have Aaron Gordon. Right, they do. <laughs> they do. They have him. Oh boy, Thanks, Denver. <laughs> but uh, but but no. I mean, I'd still rather have R.J. Hampton right now. Mm. Yep. Um. Okay. Uh. <laughs> We don't know what RJ. We're pretty sure what RJ is going to be, but we for sure know what Aaron Gordon is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One's established, one's not. Uh, I don't really care to have either. So anyway, um, Warriors though, like still winning these games convincingly, one twenty three to one hundred seven, one twenty six to one or one twenty six to one hundred six. Like this is Steph coming off the bench and playing. I think like twenty to twenty five minutes in both appearances. What he still scored like thirty in game two. Yeah. But like something ridiculous. It's crazy. It's like I I don't I don't know, man. It, it's nuts to see what the Warriors are able to do right now. They look great against the Nuggets. We'll see if that continues on. Uh, my other my other favorite part of the playoffs going to the other conference, Boston and Brooklyn. I mean, I'm I'm you know missing that game right now, but it's a great game. Uh, almost the end of the third quarter, Brooklyn up two. Kyrie uh, has a huge outing. In that game one, and they still lose, uh, which is insane. So those are my two, I guess, two points. Not necessarily my two favorite series. I think the Warriors could just walk away with that series against against uh, Denver. But uh, I do think that that Brooklyn Boston definitely. Uh, I'm not shocking anybody, but definitely my favorite series so far. Yeah, the uh, you know KD falls asleep. You know, Jason Tatum drives to the rim, the little spin over Kyrie, the layup so to win it at the buzzer. A layup to win. Can we talk about Jalen Brunson going off for 41 against he's, the Jazz, and now that series is tied at one apiece without Luka? He's that dude. I mean, I think the Mavericks shot something crazy. Yeah, they shoot 47% from the floor, 46.8% from the three-point line. You only win that game by six. Yeah. I mean, they had to do everything they could. What's have they announced a timeline with Luca, or we just they just keep saying? I think that, he's now questionable for okay, game three. So, I think I read that a little bit ago. We're recording this Wednesday night. I think so, I read that a little bit ago that he was questionable for game three, which is crazy and and huge that yeah. that he gets to go essentially play their first game in Utah. If they can steal that one, man, go up two one. That's big. If if Luca comes back and is like actually ready to go and not like severely right you know hindered by that injury, it's Mavs in five, mm. and then you know then you start thinking about what Utah is going to do with you know two uh two pretty big failures in in back to back seasons. Yeah, you got to move, got to move off somebody because yeah, yeah. otherwise you guys are eternally like Utah's eternally where they are. I think the the series that I'm most intrigued by right now is is Memphis Minnesota. Obviously Minnesota yeah. pulls out the win in in game 1 and then Memphis just destroys them. Mm-hmm. Like I mean I didn't really contribute much to the conversation cuz I actually didn't watch game 1. Um right. but you you I think were like, you know, I think Minnesota has a chance to win it in 7 and I was like, "Well, let's just kind of pump the brakes. Like let's see what happens in game 2 and 3." I still think there's a chance that Memphis can win in like, you know, 5 or 6 games, but it's going to depend on what minnesota team we see game three their first playoff game at home in what seems like forever and you know memphis didn't really look themselves from what i understand in game one in game two uh definitely uh definitely looked themselves again. you see that jaw clip which jaw clip where he's coming off the court after they win and he's like nah y'all stay on that side y'all stay over yeah. there yep as a 
talking. Jalen Suggs said something. Uh, said something similar. I think he was talking to you. We'll see. You said. We'll you see. said what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He obviously uh, wasn't saying yes, that to you. Right. But he said that in his. Took he said that in his post game. Uh, uh, you know, press conference after the last game. It's like we're gonna get it right over here. He's like, you just stay on whatever side you're on currently. Mm. So that's just a little a little jest. At, yeah, at yeah, 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 yeah. Which I got criticized for not giving like Jalen like a like a bad enough score. I was like, I thought like a a B minus. Like I you know like I know he wasn't great, but w- to me like it was two different seasons with Jalen. Not to start this whole conversation again, but like pre injury, post injury, he was just so much better. Like post injury. And like his numbers backed that up, apart from the three point shooting, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it was more efficient at the rim, mid range, more assists, less turnovers, more steals, just the three point shot. A lot just, of you know, lot of people that issue. love to hate. And I'm someone that's the as you guys heard, I'm not a huge Jalen Suggs guy, but I mean, I thought that the grade was fine. I don't I didn't have a problem with it. He's incredible defensively yeah. already. I don't I mean but oh, somebody you know. Did you see the clip that got posted of Danny Green's one other dunk from this season? And it was like Jalen Suggs falling asleep guarding Danny Green, uh, Danny Green in the corner. And he cuts back door and has a dunk. And then somebody tweeted like, "We need to stop coping about Jalen Suggs saying he's a great defender." Like falling asleep on one play <laughs> on Danny freaking Green makes yeah. you a bad defender. Like, does if you go read Ryan Brock's article, we put videos of like all of their clips. He marked Jalen Suggs as the Magic's like defensive player of the year. And that is just a minute of like stud defensive clips. Like, trust me, go watch that. I think on that end, the kid's gonna be just fine. The other side of the the court is is yet to be determined. But um, yeah. Uh, at, right now, I'm just hoping uh, Devin Booker's hamstring is gonna be okay. Because if not, yeah. I, I just see the Warriors rolling to the finals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. I think uh, Luke, that's gonna do it for us for this one. Got anything else? No. No, that's nope. it. That's it. All right. Well, for Luke Sylvia, or, well, how do I usually say this? For Luke Sylvia, this is Jonathan Osborne, right? (laughs) Yeah. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.